Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Boy, I'm so excited about our Monday broadcast today. It's a brand new week, brand new opportunity for us to stay encouraged. As a matter of fact, I've discovered that I stay encouraged when I focus on the goodness of the Lord. I will stay discouraged when I focus on the sinfulness of humanity. And there is plenty of sinfulness out there. You can't help but notice it, but you don't have to focus on it. So today I want to talk to you about how to stay encouraged. Now notice I say stay encouraged, not get encouraged. So many times we can get encouraged, but we don't stay encouraged. So today I want to help you to stay encouraged. And we're going to be looking at several passages of scripture today. And I know that it'll be an encouragement to you, be a blessing to you, because God is with us every step of the way. Now, I love that word hope. Hope is a great word. And somebody said that a great way to define hope is, hold on, pain ends. Hang in there, pain ends. And the Bible talks about hope. And uh, hope is that blessed thing that God gives us as we are waiting for him to come through and fulfill a promise that he has given to us. But you know, the Bible talks about hope. We don't need hope when we have something that is given to us. It's kind of like if you're really thirsty and uh, you want something to drink and you're hoping you can find something to quench that thirst, but then you find that big bottle of water, maybe that super gulp, and all of a sudden your thirst is quenched. Well, once your thirst is quenched, you don't have to hope you find something to drink because you already found something to drink. Now, I want you to know as followers of Christ, God gives us the blessed hope. I I guess you could say he gives us that patience to hang on when things are going sideways. You know, the other day I was driving up to Richmond and uh, we had an appointment up in Richmond and we're sitting in traffic and uh, it was a holiday. It was President's Day. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, well, hey, President's Day, everybody's off from work. It'll be smooth sailing. So I dropped my son off at school and I was going to have him stay at school for about an hour or so. Then I was going to pick him up and then we're going to continue on our journey up to Richmond. And everything was going wonderful. I've had this until we hit Williamsburg. And uh, as we hit Williamsburg, lo and behold, they decided that this was a great day to do some major road repair. And so we go through one little uh, setback, traffic slowed down, and I said, okay, uh, we made it through that one. And and then we drive another four or five miles, and lo and behold, we hit another snaffle. We hit another issue of road repair. And it seems like every four or five miles, we hit this road repair. Kept backing up traffic. And I was getting nervous because, man, we're going to be late for this appointment. And so I I asked my wife, I said, "Now, now, honey, go ahead and call them. And Tom, we're trying to get there as fast as we can. And we gave ourselves an extra hour to get up there and we were still going to be late. And so she went ahead and called them and they said, well, you know, uh, if you're not here within 15 minutes of your appointment, we're going to have to cancel it. And I said, oh, good Lord, we're not going to make it. And we got up there about 1127 and our appointment was 11. And so we walked in there thinking they're going to turn us away. And uh, an amazing thing happened, right? We were all stressed up, and I tell you what, our blood pressure was super high at that moment. I was getting upset with everybody who was blocking the highway and upset with the people trying to repair the roads, and uh, and we got in there, and the lady says, well, I tell you what, uh, you know, this is, you, you're going to think this is kind of strange, but we messed up on your appointment, and uh, and we scheduled your appointment for an hour, and, uh, and, and so you only need 30 minutes, and so it, it doesn't really start at 1130 anyway. How you got here just in time? You know what? God's grace was sufficient. Listen, I had lost a lot of my patience worrying about something that was out of my control. I want you to know, 
You can stay encouraged when you focus on the goodness of the Lord. I am so fascinated by how God works out all the details of our lives. Even when we're unaware of what he's up to, he is working things out for his glory and for our good. Now, a couple years ago, I encouraged our congregation to read through the whole Bible. And in order to read through the whole Bible, you've got to spend 15 to 20 minutes a day going through and reading God's Word. And so the first week that we started this, uh, we spent and we went through about 20 chapters, and, uh, and we were going through from creation to the flood. Amazing things happened in the first 20 chapters of the book of Genesis, uh, from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 20. I mean, we have the creation, uh, we have the flood, we have God promising never to destroy the world through a worldwide flood, and we have the world being repopulated, Uh, we have the promise of redemption that is given to the world through the Abrahamic covenant, Uh, we have the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin, Uh, we meet the first murderer in the first 20 chapters of the Bible, we learn about God's amazing plan for redemption. Now, the thing that really amazes me is how often we talk about the harshness of God without admitting the horrific sinfulness of humans. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God or in the image of God. He made him male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he named them man, and they were created. Now, when you think about this Genesis 5 passage, everyone is blessed by God. Whether they admit it, realize it, feel it, or whether they don't even believe it, they are blessed by God. You know, even after the disobedience in the Garden of Eden and the sin of murder, God still brought blessings. According to the Bible, every human is a person who has inestimable value. Now, that's how God created us. God created us with a purpose because he created us on purpose. Now, when you think about how we have strayed from God's wonderful plan for our lives, as we think about how evil mankind can be, I was doing some research and I was looking at the number of babies that have been killed by abortion since abortion was legalized in 1973. Now, now it's really heartbreaking when you think about it. Uh, When you think about how many lives have been snuffed out, it's approximately 63.5 million babies have been killed by abortion since it was legalized here in the United States in in the infamous case of Roe v. Wade in 1973. Now, as you think about how many people have have lost their life through abortion. Although abortion totals per year have not really ever gone up higher than the 900,000 that first year, that that first full year that it was legal, uh, we see that through the years with 63.5 million babies being aborted. I, I want you to think about that number because so many times we don't understand the significance of what this is, okay? And, and maybe a way to understand it is by looking at the population of some of our surrounding states, okay? Uh, Virginia, for example, we have about 9 million people uh, living in Virginia. And, and then you take the state that is uh, to the north of us. Maryland has about 6.5 million people. Uh, living in the uh, the metro Washington, D.C. area, uh, there's about a million people. 
And, and then you go to the north and the east of us, and, and you discover that uh, south of us in North Carolina, there's 11 million people uh, living in North Carolina. And then you go to the west at Tennessee, there's about 7 million people living uh, in Tennessee. And then you go to Kentucky, a little further west, and you discover there's about 5 million people in Kentucky. And then you uh, uh, look at West Virginia, wild and wonderful West Virginia. About 2 million people uh, live in, in, uh, in West Virginia. Now, if you take the population of all of these states that I just mentioned, that's about 41.5 million people. Now, to put this in perspective, this is still short of the number of babies that were killed by abortion. Every day, our nation aborts more babies on one day. They were killed on September 11th. Now you think about that. 9-11, over 3,000 lives were killed. When you count of those uh, who were the firefighters and the rescuers and and those who were killed when the Twin Towers fell and and those who were killed throughout that whole entire day because of this horrific terrorist attack. Every day, our nation aborts more babies than was killed on 9-11. But here's some good news. As you look at the early stages of the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, we find a genealogical list of names. Now, I find it interesting as I'm reading through this list in Genesis chapter 5 that Adam was probably alive when Noah's father, Lamech, was born. A small but interesting detail is that Lamech, whom we know very little about, is also listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, as I have read through the early chapters of Matthew, I'm reminded just how much God loves us and how his love prevails even against the greatest forces of evil. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus at his weakest point, I mean, he had just fasted for 40 days, uh, no food, no water for 40 days. Jesus at his weakest point is stronger than Satan at his strongest point. Now, Satan may have more followers, but he's no match for Jesus. At the command of Jesus, Satan left. Matthew 5.10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, you are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus defeats Satan and says, away from me. You know, at the conclusion of his temptation, Jesus starts his earthly ministry. And he preached the most powerful and the most popular sermon of all times. Right after he was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he gives this dynamic sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And we know more about this sermon. You know more about this sermon than you think. You know, politicians love to say they live by it. Now, obviously, uh, they've never read the whole thing, uh, especially the parts on divorce and adultery and keeping promises and on murder. Uh, you know, yeah, they are notorious for, for only quoting parts of the Sermon on the Mount, and they generally quote it out of context. In spite of all that, Jesus made this proclamation in Matthew chapter 5. He says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to stay encouraged today because God created all things, and the God who created all things can use anything and everything to glorify himself. That's why he is God. He blesses us out of his abundance, and he expects us to do the same thing. As he abundantly blesses us, 
He wants us to pass that blessing along. Author and business leader Steve Covey noted the contrast between the abundance mentality and the scarcity mentality. The latter views life as a zero-sum paradigm. Uh, That is that uh, they think that we've got to grasp everything we possibly can because we're going to run out, right? And we got to hoard everything because we're going to run out. Uh, So things are very limited will be the person who has that scarcity mentality. Uh, That kind of flows from a deep inner sense uh, of realizing that I've got to hang on to everything because if I let go of something, I'm going to be short of something. Now, the opposite would be that mindset of having the abundance mentality. Now, I want you to know that when Christ saved us, we didn't get saved out of scarcity, right? His grace was not just sufficient enough to give us salvation. His grace was abundant, was filled with abundance. Not only does he save us from eternally being separated from God, he also saves us to have his grace on a daily basis. You see, the difference between uh, these two individuals, the scarcity mentality and the abundance mentality, is the difference between a river and a reservoir. A reservoir hoards water where a river passes along. So what is true of you? Are you one that is able to pass things along, or do you have the scarcity mentality? So today, take encouragement. And we're going to take encouragement from the life of Joseph, the only man in the Bible other than Jesus to whom nothing negative or sinful is recorded. You know, Joseph is most definitely a picture of Christ. Both Jesus and Joseph suffered unjustly. Both were falsely accused and both lived for the purpose of blessing others by meeting people at their greatest need. Joseph provided food for sustaining physical life for not only his people, but the Egyptians. He provided for his country and the surrounding countries. What a a great man Joseph was. When a great famine swept through Egypt, he was ready for it. Now, Jesus provides everlasting life to all who believe. As somebody put it this way, thinking about our greatest need today. You know, if our greatest need had been for information... God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been for money, oh, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been for pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. Ah, but our greatest need was for forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. When I think about Joseph, Joseph's brothers needed forgiveness. And it took them decades to realize that. You know, on the outside, they went about their business, keeping their sin hidden just below the surface. That kind of reminds me of the story of a child who was walking along a street and a big dog comes along and he comes along barking. But that little child will stand and be terrified. Well, as soon as the stranger came to her and he says, well, come on, little girl, uh, this dog has stopped barking. And she responded, well, well, yes, but the bark is on the inside. She saw in the eyes of that dog an unfriendly spirit, and it got in the inside of her, and it kept her in fear even after the dog left. You know, we too, as Christians, so many times we look at the outward world and how it barks and how it goes contrary to our beliefs, and we get stuck. 
We can't get past it. Uh, the voices within our mind keep saying, it's a mean world out there. Well, I want you to know that is the world, but God hasn't given us that spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of love and of a sound mind. I want you to know there's nothing that is going to come against you that's going to overwhelm us. You know, it surprises me just how quick Joseph was to forgive his brothers. I mean, he didn't delay it. Uh, he, He didn't ponder it. He gave his brothers forgiveness quickly. You know, and it amazes me how suspicious his brothers were of Joseph. You know, a heart that is filled with deceit and unforgiveness will always be a heart that is suspicious. Oh, do you battle suspicion in your life? Really, the struggle that you're having is is that you don't want to forgive. And because you're hanging on to unforgiveness, you're going to be suspicious of everybody. You see, we can't trust somebody with whom we have been untruthful. That's why transparency is such a tremendous gift. You know, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he gave them this command. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse number eight, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, heal the sick, raise up the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons, Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you uh, in your belts. No bag for the journey or no extra shirt or, or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Now, perhaps the reason why forgiveness is so hard to give is because it's so hard to receive. Jesus says, freely you have received. Freely give. He's talking about forgiveness. A young Christian working man lost a valued tool from his toolkit one day. He recognized that that tool was in the hands of a fellow workman. Being the only Christian at work in the room, he felt it incumbent upon him to show forgiveness. So he went to the thief and he said, I see you have one of my tools, but I want you to know that you can keep it if you need it. Then he went on with his work and he put the incident out of his mind. During the next two weeks, the thief on three occasions tried to give the value of that tool to its rightful owner. Once by offering to give him something else of equal value, again by offering his services between hours and and again by slipping money into his coat pocket. The incident occurred with a lasting friendship between the two men because The thief says, I couldn't stand being forgiven. You know, forgiveness is such a wonderful gift, but some people can't stand forgiveness. They live in discouragement because they can't receive forgiveness. You know, this week, my prayer for you as you listen to the message is that you will experience the joy of forgiveness by passing it along. Don't miss the blessing of forgiveness by being ungrateful. You know, forgiveness is not denying that the offense has taken place, but is releasing that person from revenge. As you recognize God as a bigger plan, notice how Joseph responded to his brothers. He says, as for you, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. To bring to pass, as is this to this day, to save Many people, many people are alive 
because Joseph was transferred to Egypt. Now, he may not have liked the way he got there, and he may not have enjoyed that evil plot that came against him by his own brothers. He may not have enjoyed being forgotten about while he was in prison. He may not have enjoyed being falsely accused of having a relationship with Potiphar's wife. He didn't enjoy any of that. There's no fun in being falsely accused. There's no fun in being abused and forsaken and taken advantage of. None of that is enjoyable. We don't walk around with a sign on the back that says, go ahead and kick me because I love to be kicked. No, we realize that even in the midst of evil, we can stay encouraged because God always works things out for his glory and our good. David said, you devised this evil against me. God devised it for good in order to do as to this day to keep alive a numerous people. Listen, you may be going through a hard time today. Listen, we're not denying that that, that living the Christian life is a difficult life. As a matter of fact, living the Christian life is an impossible life on your own. That's why we must be filled with the Spirit. We are reminded in the book of Romans, and I love the book of Romans, We're reminded in Romans chapter 8, verse number 37, that we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. More than conquerors. We're not just scraping by, by the skin of our teeth, getting victory in our lives. We are more than conquerors. That means we have victory and we don't get at the end of victory and says, man, I am worn to a frazzle. I am done. I'm over. Yeah, I won this thing, but I'm I've got no energy left. I've got no determination left. No, we're more than conquerors. Victory ought to drive us to more victory. Paul put it this way, continuing on in Romans chapter 8. He says, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, nothing can separate us from God's love for us and God's presence and power in our lives. We are more than conquerors. So if you're feeling discouraged today, why don't you spend some time in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And this is a powerful chapter because Paul talks about nothing being able to defeat us. We may have some temporary setbacks. We may lose a few skirmishes here and there. But in the end, we are more than conquerors. I hope this will help you to stay encouraged today as you go about your day. You know, the Spirit of God lives within us. I want you to think about your area of greatest weakness. Paul reminds us that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Maybe you're not a strong prayer warrior. You know, I have learned through the decades that prayer is work. And I never was a very good uh, a student of prayer. I was never a very good practitioner of prayer until I went through some really difficult times. You know, I was a very young man. I lost about a year of my life through a time of, of depression. I had been involved in a situation where I had done uh, a tremendous hurt, a physical hurt to some people uh, through an accident. And I was just so devastated after that. I I struggled with guilt 
and uh, and I I struggle with how could I have been so irresponsible that I that I hurt these innocent people and and uh, for a year of my life I I have very few memories of my life from the age of of 21 uh, up to 22 and I was in college and I was going to school and and I was going through the motions of life but I felt like I was walking through a fog I felt like I I didn't know what was going on I felt like the whole world is going past me and I'm missing it but you know the Lord gave me through a godly counselor uh, gave me a really good verse that has become my life verse and I want to close the broadcast with this verse and maybe it will encourage you 1 Corinthians 10:13 There is no trial taking you no temptation taking you but such as is common to man You know I felt like I was the only one going through the depths of despair but Paul reminds us that our trials are common to man God is faithful Sometimes I'm not so faithful but God is always faithful and he's not going to allow me or he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. He knows exactly where your breaking point is. And by the way, your breaking point is a lot further down the road than you think it is. It says that he will allow a way of escape. God always gives us an exit strategy. When the pressure gets too harsh on us and too heavy for us, he says, I have a way of escape for you so that you may be able to bear it. Oh, what a wonderful verse that is. And a verse uh, that will keep you encouraged today. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Why don't you take a moment and, and look up that verse and apply it to your life today. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. If I can help you with anything, go ahead and shoot me an email. And the email address is onehopeforyourheart at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.